Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Raptors in the Kitchen. It is November 11th, 2018. What are you pointing at the screen for, Tom? Because I don't know if you knew what the date was. <clears throat> Does it tell us on the screen? I don't see it anywhere. Down there. Next on to the time. Oh, on the bottom right in the, the system tree. Who knew? Everyone. Date was here the entire time. Everyone. Everyone knew. <laughs> like, uh, that's what an HND in computer software development gets you. <laughs> uh, I mean, that was 2001 though. So. Yeah, a lot's changed then, but I'm yeah, fairly you're... sure that that hasn't changed. Well, you know, whatever, man. Like, yeah, you're, I... you're obsolete now. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was obsolete the day I was born, mate. That's how, how hardcore I am. Good lord. Uh, and I am, of course, Francisco Rodriguez. Or I don't know why I said that. No one ever calls me Francisco. I'm Paco. Sapeman. Like, uh, to a cop. I am <laughs> joined by Neil McCulloch, aka Existential Dread. How's it going, Neil? I'm right. I, no. It's been good. Yeah. I don't know why I said that. It sounded weird. I, yeah. get, caught, I get caught off guard because I thought you know, you were going to tell me first. Yeah, you, know, you made you this fucking way yeah. more awkward than it needs to be. Way more awkward. <laughs> and uh, also here with me is uh, Tommy Vass, aka Problems with Portion Control. That's right. That's right. <laughs> That's right, man. How's your week been? Or two weeks? How long has it been since we recorded? Uh, we did the Halloween one. I think it was like a week and a half ago. That I went up about a week and a half yeah, ago. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. yeah, well, it's been a while. It's been a okay, while. Okay, we've had scheduling conflicts between the three of us. I think really. Yeah, uh, it really worked out. Which is odd because we don't really do anything. Well, you say scheduling conflicts. There's been times where it's like, do you want to do it? Nah. I mean, that sounds like a schedule conflict to me. <laughs> but you've not been doing anything. Exactly. To, to be fair, I've worked a lot more nights recently. Yeah, that's true. I'd normally do. So. Hmm. Did I also say no to doing this at any point? No, yeah, but I, you said no. no to doing it on like Tuesday last week. Yeah, but no, did I? Yeah, we we didn't record one of the previous days we were gonna because the neighbour downstairs for some reason oh, just yeah, that's right, fucking yeah. started like drilling or I don't know what saw. it is. Like he must be sawing something, some kind of power because he's been doing it for like three days. He was doing it today when I came back from hill walking. Half past one, but like I heard somebody chapping his door, so I think one of the other neighbours gave him a row because like that has been like three or four days straight where he's just had that fucking noise going, man. Aye, and it's always like, don't get me wrong, I know that everyone's like finished work at like you know five, six o'clock and all that, but it's always like about between six and seven he starts the power tools. And I'm like, man, for fuck's sake, is really? Your, is your neighbour a serial killer? I think it might be Dexter it's a serial, Morgan. Serial decorator, man. Honestly, he's, he's been at that flat decorating it for fucking what, ages. What could he possibly be doing though? I don't know. Like, that, that requires like it sounds like a, either like a power drill or a, a fucking circuit or so. I don't like, know. Is he just like cutting trees in there? Is he like a fucking lumberjack who works from home? Fuck knows, man. But it is it's it's dead strange because it's like oh, I mean maybe I don't know maybe he's. I don't know, he could be cutting wood to make stuff, or he's using, like, a power drill to, like, you know, he's, maybe he's assembling something, but, I mean, come the fuck on, man. It's, it seems like what, it's been going on I, forever. Yeah, like, what takes, like, four days of power drilling to assemble? Nothing. Is he a shifty owner? I don't think I've ever seen him. Like I don't think so. The the place has stopped smelling, uh, like, weed constantly, so, like, I think the, the mm. stoners that were in... Oh, they like, must think, have been away, yeah. they must be away. Aye. Mm. I don't think I don't think I've met the person who's in there now. <laughs> Damn, now you're close. It'll just smell like uh, going. <laughs> well, you know, yeah, there is that. Mm-hmm. That's why the rent's cheap. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this week, we will have reviews of 
Bohemian Rhapsody. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you watch? I watched first films Man. that we spoke about before. You watched TV, First Man. So I, I, I would, I would still like to hear your thoughts on First Man. Uh, okay. Uh, I'll be back in a second. I'm just going to shut the door over because like, I can hear the, fi- um, the smoke alarm thing beeping. Alright, yeah. okay. So, Paco's going to give us his thoughts on First Man. Mm. Uh, I watched Bohemian Rhapsody. Uh, Neil watched Smallfoot. Uh, we've yes. all we've all seen Overlord. Uh, me and Paco watched uh, the Night Comes for Us, which is a, and I think it's like a Netflix original or Netflix produced uh, martial arts film, which was described. I, I, th- as, I think it's more like a Netflix paid to put this on their channel. Yeah, well, that and then uh, me and you, Neil, we went and watched Widows yep. uh, today. So we also all watched season two of Castlevania, which I think Warren's talking about. Yeah, I can talk about that. I'm fine with that, yeah. Well, we got a lot of movies to get through anyway. Yeah. yeah. I've also watched the first four seasons of the 90s Spider-Man cartoon. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I also watched the, the entirety of a haunt, uh, The Haunting of Hill House. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've just been re-watching The West Wing. I'm going to throw this one out there because we do actually have a lot of stuff to talk about. Do you want to just talk about all that shit rather than kind of go through the news that no one actually cares about? Can I, can I just say that I had to look at the news and there isn't any, so we may as well ditch it. Well, I got some let, things. Tommy, uh, the things you've got exciting. Let's let's let Tommy ring them off and we'll right, just okay, fucking okay. dismiss them as they come up. Go for it. Yeah, well, you, can either, point, you can either talk, point. but some some folk might want to hear it. It's not all about us. Um, <clears throat> so, first item: uh, Top Gun Two has no, been delayed on. until twenty twenty. <laughs> And uh, the reason for that is because Tom Cruise is learning to pilot a fighter jet. Yeah, that's not surprising. So that yeah. can, that uh, also doesn't seem like news. Is that not something? That, is. Yeah, is I that mean, not something people said weeks ago? No, that just came out this week. Yeah, it? so it's um, again that's kind of cool. Um, obviously, he won't be using it for all the stunts, but that's uh, Tom yeah, Cruise that's... committed to his craft as per. Not usual. to be dismissive, that is really cool, but it's also yeah. not. Yeah. He's like the first. I think he's like the first actor to in history to do that. Learn to pilot a fighter jet which is pretty cool how much different would a fighter jet's controls be to like a, just a regular plane because Harrison Ford John, regularly John, John flies Travolta. and crashes planes John Travolta does the same thing um, yeah I, John Travolta flies commercial liners yeah that's right so what you're telling me is it's something to do with being a fucking crazy Scientologist Harrison yeah. Ford's not a Scientologist yeah so next what's the next point um, uh, a lost uh, Stanley Kubrick script uh, that was written in 1958 is um, up for auction and is set to fetch uh, twenty grand, uh, and it's said to be set almost in like the Lolita verse. Uh, it's based on a, a 1913 novella um, called Burning Secret, and it sees a suave businessman who befriends a ten-year-old boy in order to seduce his married mum. So I, that, I could that, I could kind of see that working in that, that didn't universe. turn out as dark as I thought it was going to yeah, go. Yeah, as soon as you say yeah. it's a ten-year-old boy, yeah, you're like, oh god, yeah. Um, again, that could be interesting. Uh, again, it was written back in 1958. Right, move on. <clears throat> um, Spike Lee will direct a film about Frederick Douglass. Um, who did? Right. Okay. Um, a very important uh, person in history who was a self-liberated slave, uh, publisher, poet, and pro-feminist, and made the argument for abolition before Lincoln. Oh, okay. So again, that but again, being Spike Lee. There'll be, a, I reckon, there'll be a lot of creative, uh, cre- creative things he will, uh, 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 like kind of like any Spike Lee film. You're like, yeah, 
I wonder how much you're going to lean towards a certain side. You know what I mean? It's like when you watch Black Klansman. Hold on, very... hold on, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Right. <laughs> Why mean to say that? I, I, I just want, I just want, I just want artistic. To unpack, I just want to unpack that statement. Yeah. That you have just said that there's a being a Spike Lee film about a self-released slave mm-hmm. in pre-Civil War America. Yeah. Will lean to a certain side. No, I'll retract What's what the I other said. Side that he could lean no, to why I retract is what was I trying to <laughs> I say? I mean, like he will take some artistic. What was shit? It was, I said about Black Klansmen were Black right, Klansmen. artistic license. Yes. Right. Um, yeah, because I, from what I read about this story, yeah, it's not a straight biopic. That it's a story about right. Frederick Douglass. Oh really? All right. Yeah. Okay. So well, yeah. So artistic like license. A, that's what I meant. So it has the possibility <laughs> to be kind of alt history. Yeah, not that I mean it's like when we watch. Well, you you've seen Black Clans, with it, you know? Yes. And you know what I'm talking about. It's like as much as that is a great film and is based on a true story. There's certain aspects of Spike Lee films where artistically, um, yeah, Spike, you, Spike Lee's style of filmmaking is 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 what you would call a student of filmmaking, mm. and for better or for worse, sometimes that means Spike Lee uses a lot of techniques which do not mesh together. Yeah. And are quite jarring in some ways. Yeah, that's what, yeah, sorry. That is what I meant to say. Right. You put it very not, well, not, Neil. Not Thank you. He, not that he might take the same. No, he definitely would not. And <laughs> my God, can you imagine if he did? Right. Double time this, come on. Read the faster. <sighs> Shut up. Right. Robert Zemeckis is penning a new adaptation of Roald Dahl's The Witches. Move yeah, on. Who cares? And <laughs> apparently, eh? Move on. No, yeah, who cares? no, I'm move gonna, on. No, no, move on. No, no one cares. Move on. That's the next bullet point. Well, I do because well, who cares? Move on. Some of the audience will shut up, dude. I'm going to cut this out anyway. Why? Because it's rubbish. Move on. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm going to finish what I was going to say. Right? This is what he was going to do. Right? It's produced by Alfonso Cuaron and Guillermo del Toro, but rather than be set in England, it's going to be set in the South. Uh, the American South and is going to feature a lot of um, different things that aren't uh, right to the the book, as in a lot right, of okay. Like... So he's making a, a non traditional version of the book. Okay, move on. Yeah, there move we on. go. Thank you. Um, let me see. Faster. Taron Egerton will not be returning in Kingsman Three. Who cares? Uh, move on. Because move on. is it, that again? Egerton? Who cares? Yeah, move right. on. It's set to be a World One uh, prequel. Uh, the third one. Which sure. might be interesting. No, uh, Vince Gilligan as report. Uh, Vince Gilligan is re- uh, reportedly uh, working on a script for a Breaking Bad film that will follow uh, Jesse Pinkman after the events of the first uh, of the Breaking Bad series. Which, Aaron, Paul, Aaron Paul has no career. Move on. Uh, yeah. Didn't really. Don't really need this. Um, Breaking Bad is fine as the way it is. Uh, what else? No, um, it's not. It's rubbish. Um, oh wow! I didn't like, man. I kind of want to talk about. Oh, that. you want to talk about something? You want to talk break, about now? Breaking, By breaking all means, bad, go for breaking it. Bad. Breaking um, Bad is one of the dullest TV shows I've ever watched, bollocks. and I've watched all of it. Um, it it's dull. Uh, it has been reported that Jeremy Irons has been cast as Ozymandias in the upcoming Watchmen series, which is also fueling rumours that it, rather than being an adaptation of the comic, it is a sequel to the film that we've seen in twenty. 2009, sorry, uh, that was directed by Zack Snyder and is very good. And that's all the news. Uh, what also... about the Cassian Andor? So? Cassian Andor series? Oh, 
Oh, yeah. sorry, on your oh, yeah. Do you want to talk about news? The actual news. The actual news. Also, uh, news. Tom Hiddleston has been cast in a Loki uh, standalone TV show for Marvel. Well, talk about that. that. Talk about that. I want to hear about that. More on that next week, folks. Yes, yes. That is early, early development. Um, yeah. We, we briefly talked about the Cassian Andor series. I'm fine with that. Yeah. I'm, I'm I'll, fine. I'll, I'll I think Star Wars, in terms of live adaptation, as far as live action things, would benefit a lot better in, t- uh, in a TV setting. Not to say that the animated C- stuff isn't, because C- you've C- told C- me it's good. Certainly the expanded universe stuff mm-hmm. lends itself more to television. Yeah, that's it. Um, so, Paco, what did you think of First Man? I, I liked it. Mm-hmm. It's good. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's actually, it feels like I watched it that long ago. I'm kind of having trouble remembering it. I, it was like one of those things where 20 or 30 minutes into it, like I remember just why Whiplash and stuff was so good. Like that, what's the director's name? Damien Chazelle. He's like, yeah, he's fucking, he, he has like a, a really kind of good grasp on what makes like a tense scene definitely mm. like uh, it was way more interesting than I thought it was going to be didn't feel anywhere near as long as I, I was kind of worried it would mm. um, Buzz Aldrin's a dick yeah I'm having like a lot of trouble like remembering specifics though like I, I'm sure how I had... did you find the take on it being not so much a biopic but about a struggling father and husband I, I thought that stuff was kind of weird the passage of time in that movie is kind of odd yeah, like, I would agree with that. You, it, you know, it, it feels like it, the the kind of story should take place over like a month or something. Do you know what I mean that's like kind of like the passage of time in it doesn't affect the actual narrative itself. Like it, it feels like it's all self contained, but like you see his kids kind of growing up and stuff over the course of the time and stuff. So mm-hmm. I know it was kind of odd. <clears throat> uh, visually, like really beautiful. Yeah, the uh, opening scene where it's like. He's he's in an, he's in an aircraft and it like bounces off the atmosphere and yeah, it's just that like cool. that was yeah, cool. right from the get go. I was like, holy fucking shit, this is good. Bit of a predictable <clears throat> ending though. Kind of saw that coming. Well, who didn't, man? Who didn't? Um, I went and saw Bohemian Rhapsody. Um, yeah, not a straight biopic. It's more a celebration of the band Queen. Um, it's been getting a lot of some, some would say a fictionalized biopic. Um, a lot of it is is very inaccurate. Um, in many ways, I was thinking about I was thinking about this like earlier. It's kind of like it's kind of like Braveheart. It's like oh, those folk existed, but this is not exactly how it went down. Um, yeah. Whereas again, as I said, Brian May and the drummer uh, of Queen, they're like produce it, and you could see why Sasha Baron Cohen bowed out of it because it isn't a straight biopic. But that doesn't mean to say Remy Malik is gr- he is very good as Freddie Mercury. Um, if you like Queen, it's a really good night at the cinema. Um, but just don't expect a, a gritty, completely correct biopic. I read an article about this the other day, which suggested that there's moments throughout that film which make it feel like Brian May and Roger Deacon have kind of tried to rewrite a bit of history Roger, in it. Is his name Roger Deacon? Roger Deacon. the cinematographer? Ro- oh. The, the drummer's name is something Deacon. Mm. 
I'm going to fact check this. I, I've yeah. heard like really kind of really wildly different uh, opinions on it though. Like folks seem to either like love it or like the the kind of most harsh criticism I've heard about it is like that it pretty much feels like you're just reading the Queen Wikipedia page. Yeah, sorry, John <clears throat> Deacon. John Deacon, yeah. yeah. No, but again, that's what I said. It's not. It, it it takes liberties in what it wants to show you right. about the band and Freddie Mercury's life, like as like as you like. There's a lot of like banners on the bus, uh, on buses for Bohemian Rhapsody saying um, the only thing more interesting. I'm paraphrasing, but it's like the only thing more exciting, uh, more interesting than the band was his story, which is completely that's that's not true. That's not an accurate representation of what this film is. But again, as I said, I really I like the band Queen. I enjoy their music, uh, and as a film uh, and cinema experience, I had a really enjoyable time. But if you're wanting a, a, a accurate biopic of it, then I wouldn't. I, you'll be disappointed. Whereas if you just want to see a celebration of the band Queen, then watch that. Does it like actually play through like entire songs? Yes. Yeah. Uh, the last twenty minutes were great because it is. It's their performance at Live Aid. Mm. Um, and again, as I said, Remy Malik is absolutely superb all the way through. Um, and yeah. It, that's so, yeah, that's. Does, that's does really this count as a musical? <clears throat> In the, the same way sense that, that the, the, the way that the Blues Brothers musical. is a musical. Uh, were any of the original members of Queen actually in the movie? No. No. Not even as cameos? Uh, if they were, I didn't notice them. Mike Myers is in the film, um, and I had no idea it was him because he's under a lot of prosthetics, and he plays, I think it's the the boss of EMI Records. Um, I thought it was Stephen Graham, but... Does he try to be funny? Or... Uh, it's not really. It's oh, more... is, is Mike Myers a guy that I thought was Dave Lee Travis in the uh, trailer? Possibly, yeah. He's got shades, kind of blonde yeah. curly hair. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it might okay. be him, yeah. But it's it's not so much he's trying to be funny because he's he's kind of damning the idea of Bohemian Rhapsody, saying it's a six minute long opera rock opera, nobody will play it, user yeah. wrong, and he ends up eating his words because you know it's arguably the the song that the band are most known for. Was Mick Myers ever actually funny? So I married an axe murderer as a as a quality film. Um, Love Guru was completely not. Yeah, that was that was like. He's worst and yeah. kind um, of near the last. Wayne's World One and Two, I remember enjoying as a kid, but I, I remember I was trying well, to watch I, them. I, I think these kind of hold up. We we tried to watch them like a couple of years ago, and mm. we just did not laugh. Like we were just sitting. I think we were yeah. even like possibly either drinking or drunk. See, it's like, like this fucking sick again, face, man. It's the same as Austin Powers. I've not seen that. I've not revisited that since I was. Oh, sorry, I've not seen that as an adult, but as a teenager. I thought it was very funny, but one thing I've come to not really like about Mike Myers is he's for every joke or time he's trying to be funny, he's almost winking at the camera. And yeah, it, he's, he's got that very much kind of we're all in on the joke, nudge nudge kind yeah, of. Yeah, like that was one of the problems with the Love Guru is so much it was just so self-referential of stuff he's already done. Like uh, at one point, I remember a scene in the Love Guru where he's in a car. And he's flicking through the radio, and Bohemian Rhapsody comes on, and he just straight up looks at the camera and smiles. And I'm like, "That's a man desperate, desperate yeah. for laughs." But yeah, um, but yeah, not much else to say about Bohemian Rhapsody. Uh, I think you'd enjoy it, Paco Neil. I don't think it'd be worth your time. I, I, uh, 
just the the further removed from it that I get, and the more I kind of hear passing comment about it, the more I've just become less interested because mm. it's not more accurate because it's not a kind of more let's actually get to the truth of this band and how things happened. It sounds like a total kind of fairy tale version of events. Yeah, it's almost like it's... I'm I'm not interested in that. As I said, even though it's not a stage adaptation, I wouldn't be surprised if this became a stage show. Um, I know you get We Will Rock You, that is already a stage show, but and I've never seen that, but this very, as I said, it is very much a good night out if you like Queen. Um, and that's what I'll say about it. I, I would quite like to watch it. Not really sure how long it'll be in the cinema, though. It's still in there, um, but you're right. It's... It'll probably be there for a while. It's got a lot, still got quite a lot of showings. Yeah, yeah, but I know what you mean. There's been a mixed reaction to it, but again, that might just be the part on marketing because you're promised something you don't get. Hey, do you guys want to talk a bit about season two of Castlevania? Spoiler free. Yeah, uh, if you want. Sure, do I. Yeah. Um, that that uh, guy, that guy yeah. Dracula, has some real good ideas. Uh, so oh, on you go. He might be contender for <laughs> best portrayal of a villain in any type of media. <laughs> like, <laughs> he just always looks knackered. He does, and fed up of existing. Yeah, exactly. He just he's, he's, mo- he's, he's the most bothered. He's the most relatable character of twenty eighteen. Uh, so you you always hear people kind of say they're like, oh, no one no one really thinks of the villain. Like the mark of a good villain is that, like you know they've got like a a kind of just cause that they're they're doing kind of thing. But like maybe just to, to put people in harm's way, like Dracula. Doesn't really fit into that. Like Dracula is well aware that what he's doing is a fucking atrocity and is the <laughs> exact opposite of what his wife would have wanted. But at the same time, he's just done. He's just sick yeah. of humanity. Just fucking, just being shit. Just being entirely balls, mm. and he uh, just takes matters into his own hands. Mm. Uh, which is not to say that like I totally you know side with Dracula over this like that show does a really good job of making everybody interesting and enjoyable to watch like the the three main protagonists uh, Trevor Belmont Alucard and what was the girl's name? Cypher or Cypher Cypher like uh, they, they were all really cool like this is easily now the best game adaptation that you know that, that we've got like I think we can kind of leave that one at rest. It's better than Mortal Kombat, the movie from the nineties. I'd say, you know, you guys, are, yeah, easily, the, yeah. easily the best game adaptation. Oh, like, I agree. Still, still manages to feel like it's got video game kind of elements to it, but like not in a way that you know, no, just feels shoehorned in. I think we mean, I because there feels like there's like kind of sub boss battles in it, yeah, as well, as well as like some of the fights become like a boss battle. And even the the three of them like feel like kind of uh, archetypes from like a, a kind of regular Japanese RPG. Like mm-hmm. you know, she's the mage. Then you've got like a kind of stealthy, kind of huntery type person, and like yeah. a kind of more tanky sword wielding guy. Like mm. all, all really good. Yeah. Like uh, they really fleshed it out as well. Like season one was quite a kind of linear thing where all they really kind of had was like. A random demons and like the the church were the people they were mm-hmm. pretty much fighting against. But in this one, like Dracula's actually got like different legions of armies and stuff like that, and they 
you kind of get like a lot of time with his generals and kind of the people kind of more involved with the war. Mm-hmm. It's quite well fleshed out. Se- really well season, one, season one, I think, with it only being four episodes, felt kind of like this is a proof of concept. Yeah. Kind of yeah, thing. Absolutely. Whereas this is this is the meat of uh, the story you're trying to get to. Hmm. I mean, that, that was like, what, was it 13 episodes, 14 episodes, some of that? I thought it was eight. No, I think I think it was more than that. I'm not sure though. I'm not entirely sure. Season one, I think, was only three. Nah, but, season uh, one. Season one was four. I think you're right, Tommy. Though that this was only eight. Mm-hmm. No, none of it dragged though. None of it felt like it shouldn't have been there. None of it felt oh, like filler. Uh, like, like, when you watch like a yeah. mm-hmm. when you watch like a Marvel uh, TV show, like a lot of times you like you know there's like one or two episodes where like this is just here to pad it out for like no re- no other reason than that. Yeah, it's uh, like we've ordered these amount of episodes now do the story in this yeah. episodes yeah. and then you get filler episodes and it's in every Marvel TV show even Daredevil so again I forget the writer's name but apparently it's the guy who wrote a uh, trans metropolitan it's Warren Ellis that's yeah. the one yeah. I, I thought his dialogue was pretty good like in, mm-hmm. in season one of it if it was st- if it was in the road like, there was a bit a few bits that felt forced and out of place but in this one, like all the dialogue, it kind of it feels modern in a way that shouldn't work yeah. because it's set in like medieval times. But the the banter between the characters and stuff actually all kind of pretty much lands. I, I think. think given that it's a longer season, characters have got a lot more kind of room to breathe and kind of expand. Yeah. Like, certainly, from the difference of Trevor Belmont from season one to season two, Belmont he's he's a kind of archetype hero character where he's he's tortured. He's got a lot, of, a lot of stuff on his mind, and he's got baggage. Whereas in season two, he's just a total roadster. Yeah, mm. really cool stuff though. Like they, they make like a his use of the whip seem like really, really mm. cool. It's like especially well, almost had a spoiler there. Let's not, let's not. Yeah, it. no, Castlevania is just in terms of it. You talked about how it's nearly like a game and things like that. I mean, having it as a kind of anime is the best platform for. Yeah. It. Yeah, definitely. Given given the supernatural story and that, it's like if this was a live action effort, it would probably look network TV ish and like you know kind of like a a supernatural or like a vampire diaries kind uh, of shit. And it just wouldn't work because a lot of a lot of Castlevania's appeal as well as the story is just how cool it looks. Um, I'll tell you what though, man, Dracula does a lot of sitting about being tired, and then it's just like at the at like then come the boss fight almost at the end and he's like fucking whips some ass man but yeah season one was really good in terms of laying the groundwork season two almost felt like a political thriller because it's almost like these in this internal struggle yeah amongst dracula mm-hmm. and his um his generals because his like, gen- yeah. it's just that yeah his his whole thing and the, the thing is the creature design was really good as well i thought ah, the, again yeah it was very very good um very refreshing and long maybe uh, see we'll definitely Definitely get season three. Yeah. It op- it leaves it open for it. There's a lot of it's, a, it's, al- it's already been ordered. That's fine. And you know what? Fucking give us thirteen eps of that, man. I'm fine with yeah. it because they know what the fuck they're doing. I think like we watched it over the course of like two days, didn't we? Something like that, yeah. But again, it's it was such an easy watch. Yeah. Um, because because everything in it was very interesting. It really, I'm pretty sure Warren Ellis wrote 
every episode and it really is a telling thing of when you've got one writer with one vision yeah. and he's kind mm-hmm. of able to craft it out and it's not going through like redraft or second draft or third draft or whatever and it's you know slowly or surely getting diluted or the characters don't seem mm. as coherent or yeah you know the, the like at every single point like everybody every character's motivation is like really easy to understand yeah and like the you know the complexities of like the the kind of social order amongst the vampires themselves like could have been something that would have been like really kind of easy to to bungle but like they did a good job of it man like mm-hmm. yeah no it's excellent yeah. excellent um what do you guys want to talk about um well well oh, sorry, I, I went i went to see smallfoot yeah which is an animated movie featuring channing tatum uh james corden um, Zendaya, uh, LeBron James, and Common, which is about Yetis. Uh, the the Yetis all live at the top of this mountain, and they have the their own kind of almost like a modern society, in which uh, they have this social structure which is based on um, these things called the stones. The stones are their laws. That's uh, like wee pictures etched into them, and it's like it's almost like the Ten Commandments type thing. Uh, so they live in this they live in this wee city where they think everything below the mountain, where there's cloud cover, is they're being carried along by these giant elephants or mammoths, and then it's just a void. Uh, right. So one day, Channing Tatum's yeti, who's like the main guy. Uh, who totally believes in the stones? The stones are the way forward. We've got to follow the rules of our religion. Uh, a sea a, and lake where this is going. Yeah, a plane crashes in their mountain, and he finds a small foot, which is a human being. Uh, but nobody believes him, so he gets cast out um, because he is going against the stones. Uh, and it turns out that there's a, a a wee small group of the local weirdos who also believe that the stones are wrong. So it becomes about the story about them going to hunt small foot, foot underneath the cloud cover. Uh, mm. And it was really good. <laughs> I really, really enjoyed it. Um there's it's it's a kids kids cartoon so there's a lot of there's a good couple of songs in it but they're not sickly sweet ones or funny um like the opening number sets its stall out right away of how Channing Tatum's character is is that is that guy who believes what he's told doesn't not rock the boat in any way just yeah. wants to on with life and his life's brilliant because the stones will provide. I, I'm I'm all for uh, you know I, children's cartoons where the kind of central focus is teaching them not to just blindly follow well, religious that, dogmas. That is pretty much what this film is. Yeah. There's that really heavy undercurrent of uh, anti-religion, anti-faith to a certain degree. Yeah. Uh, that you should always trust in science. Uh, well, that you should trust science and you should always be looking to move forward and question everything yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Because that, uh, uh, that um, was it a Lyle Woods movie, um, Happy Feet? Aye. Uh, 
that was quite kind of similar and like would have been really good if it wasn't for the fact that like they spend the majority of the film convincing people that their dogmatic ways are wrong and people are closed-minded yeah. and then the result of the film is that they install a new set of dogmatic rules where yeah. everybody needs to dance it's like come off it man you were doing so well until that fucking yeah. botched ending like, there's, like a, a, there's a really good there's a really good section kind of near the middle where like um they've brought they've brought a human back to the mountain and they've shown and everybody's seen it and everybody's talking asking questions so the lead, the leader of the, the village who's who wears all the stones on your on his jacket kind of thing uh the stonekeeper as he is called takes Chan and take him down into the mountain and shows how everything is a total lie like the yeah. cloud the cloud is a creation of the mountain of the ice dropping into a fire to create it so they can hide from humans it's it's really good i really really enjoyed it it's well worth going to see if you can see it that's cool yeah sweet is um, that still in the cinema or is that gone now because that was like... um i think you might still get one or two showings of that yeah it's probably overtaken by the grinch Ah, actually, that's the thing, yeah. Yeah. Uh, me and Paco watched uh, The Night Comes For Us, which is, um, as I mentioned uh, at the start of the show, was kind of billed as the Raid 3, because we're not getting a Raid 3. Did uh, we not already talk about this? No. no. Um, so it's got, like, uh, Iko Uwais from um, The Raid, who's, like, the main guy. Uh, in, well, not in this, but in The Raid he is. Uh, he plays more of a side character in this. Um, He's the antagonist in this one. Like the main, yeah, the main uh, like this the thing about this film is the the plot and the story arcs are quite muddled. Um, so basically, yeah, it's like a, a there's like a a faction of the triads, like the kind of most trusted kind of higher ups, or like not not like the the kind of the leaders, but like they they're kind of second in commands called the Seven Seas. Like there's seven of them, uh, and like one of them goes against his orders to like wipe out like this fishing village and he saves a little girl's life uh, and doing so like he kills a few triads in the process like the movie is essentially him and a couple of people that he can is friends with being dragged into this a uh, manhunt where the, the triads want to get revenge for him betraying them uh, but also he needs to kind of save this little girl's life and um, mm-hmm. his best friend is the person who's been tasked with essentially murdering them. Yeah. Uh, so it's just like a, a cat and mouse story where just people are being chopped to bits, blown to bits, chopped to bits, like a, in really graphic, over-the-top ways that you'd expect from like one of these Taiwanese action movies. Mm. Uh, I really, really liked it like a lot more than The Raid 2. Nonsense. You, you didn't like it as much? No, I did, but The, the Raid 2 is a better film. It's a, more, it's a more coherent film as well because the, the problem with this film is the plot and the story arcs get quite muddled, especially Equal Oasis 1 from towards the end. But this film alone is worth the martial arts. It is yeah. the action sequences, the set pieces. I mean, it's, it's great because you're like, they've obviously watched The Raid and they know what the deal is. And you know that a lot of the cast in it are either professional stunt coordinators as well as actors and you know it doesn't look fake it doesn't look um 
I don't know, it doesn't look like a setup, if you know what I mean. It's just everything, all the fight scenes, even. Yeah. It even doesn't so, look cheap, it doesn't rely yeah. on and, uh, wire, yeah. wires. And not everybody's kind of fighting in the same way. Like, there's a character in it who is more of a brawler um, and takes a fucking hell of a beating and gets sliced to bits and that, but keeps going. So, there's at times it's kind of fantastical, but they know their audience. They know that. What, what's the editing like? Because that's a thing which watching martial arts movies can put me off is you, they quite often will hide a lot of stuff with sh- quick no. sharp edits no no this is like this is done right this is like this isn't a Hollywood it's, produced it's in the, it's in the this, same this, vein this of the Raider Raid 2 where it's right, like this isn't mile 32 no no mile, twi- mile 22 no. 22 sorry uh, no. no like this one is like whoever directed it was very confident in the actor's ability to actually hold the fight right. without having to disguise it mm. like a uh, you you can clearly see what's going on a mm. uh, and like there's a like a, it's so gruesome man like the the gore level is like way more than i would see even read one and two is yeah like there's bits where people are being attacked by like a uh, circular saws and they don't hide the from the the kind of the shot of it like just ripping people apart mm-hmm. Uh, again, like just people getting fingers cut off, like grenades going off, and like you see body parts flying everywhere, like and like the it, it all seems to be done with practical effects because like there wasn't really moments where you saw like CGI blood spray and it kind of took you out of it or whatever. Like it all seemed like it was all done practically. Yeah. Mm. Um, movie's pretty good. Like it, it it goes at a good pace as well. It's just like it's constant enough. You know the 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 story's pretty pretty thin like it is just like a you know they're being hunted so like they kind of try and turn the tide I suppose by like kind of you know being the people who kind of get to pick the place where the fights happen kind of thing mm. uh, like the, the central story is just protect the girl that's it there's nothing special about her she doesn't become like you yeah. know anything important it is just they're trying to save an innocent girl's life yeah she's not like the cure to a disease yeah. or anything like that it's uh, just a, a moment of morality and it's like she's like She's that morality of the, the protagonist because he was involved, but now he's trying yeah. to do the right thing. And whereas the antagonist, like, that's what's going to cost you, this little girl kind of thing. But like, if you if you like action movies, especially, like, action movies that are, like, an 18, like, for adults and stuff, and, like, you like martial arts, it's it's absolutely worth a watch. Yeah. I did notice as well that Aiko Uwase is in another Netflix movie that came up in my recommended feed, but I forgot the name of it already. Oh shit, it's like, oh, is it like Severed bullet? Head or something. No. Is it Bullet something? It's something like yeah, yeah I because I, I got that put on my list. Yeah, I was, like, like, I was gonna say like we should probably watch that at some point, man. Aye, because yeah, that guy's great. He's so good, man. Yeah. Um Headshot. Headshot, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's also in Beyond Skyling. Wow, well, right. Well, let's not watch that. No. Um, unless it's like an hour and a half um, smacking people, that'll be shit. It, it won't be. No, it won't be. Um, so we all went, or we've all seen Overlord. Well, Can we save that for last? Shall, shall we talk about Widows first? Oh, yeah, that's true, yeah, because me, yeah. Um, yeah, so me and Neil went and seen Widows today. It's the new film from director Steve McQueen, who... Um, did Shame, uh, Twelve Years a Slave, and um, oh shit, uh, Hunger. Um, it stars um, Viola Davis, uh, Colin Farrell, um, Elizabeth Debicki, um, Michelle Rodriguez, Michelle Liam, Rodriguez, Liam Neeson, uh, Liam Neeson, and is it is it Daniel Clava? I think his name is. 
Yeah, I think it's a, yeah. I don't I'm, know. I've I've got the cast in front of me. I'm trying to have a look. Yeah. I'm in. I'm in. Aye, right, Daniel Kaluuya. Kaluuya. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Um. It's co-written by Gillian Flynn, who uh, wrote the book Gone Girl and wrote the script to Gone Girl, and um, yeah, it's basically um. The crux of the story is that um, a heist goes wrong in which um, several men are killed and the widows of these men um, are left with a great debt um, to a local uh, kind of mob boss, or, well, not mob boss, but gang boss. And uh, they kind of have all been affected by this, so they are now having to agree to go on a heist to try and pay off this debt. Whilst that's going on, you've got Colin Farrell who is running um, for office uh, against uh, the leader of this local uh, like gang, and it's kind of like an intertwining um, crime saga. Is um, it any good? Yeah, yeah. It's not as good as the hype kind of train that's going for it. Yeah, it's. Um, it's a film that has problems. Mm-hmm. It's a film in which it's a lot. There's a lot of style, which to some will be at detriment to the film. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very the it's glacially paced. Yeah. It introduces a lot of thing. It introduces a lot of characters who have no real bearing on the story. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly they'll appear two thirds of the way in, and things start connecting together. Um, mm. It's I I enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I believe you enjoyed it as well, Tommy. I like uh, it. We we went and saw this with my mum and my dad, who both hated it. Oh wow! Mm. Um, Did um, they see why? They thought it was boring. They thought it was really boring. Right. Mm. Like, my mum, my mum, like boring as well. Like my mum remembers like this is it's based on a a Linda Laplante book, and which was adapted to a TV series for either the BBC or ITV way back mm. in the eighties. Yeah, and my mother said that was so much better. Mm. Right, because um, yeah. I mean it is quite kind of weird to hear that it's say slow and boring because like the trailer makes it look like it is like a kind of yeah the trailer the trailer for that the trailer for yeah. that film. Is the ninety-minute version of that film? Yeah. Which How long is it? Two hours, two hours fifteen. Yeah. But it feels longer. Yeah. Wow. It did feel longer, and yeah. I don't mind uh, pacey films, especially when they've got um, when they've got all these kind of they've got all these pieces to move about and try and tell yeah. a story. But the problem but, is, is there's loads of bits where you just feel like it's a bit bloated and they need to trim the fat. And I yeah. Know, we're talking about how it probably worked better as a TV show because there is a lot of stuff that kind of happens in it, and then. Yeah, that... it it picks up a lot of threads mm-hmm. and doesn't really resolve them in any satisfying way. Yeah, which um, I felt was an issue. Yeah, but I I was as surprised. I mean, I thought I'd enjoy this. I do like Steve McQueen's films, um, but this uh, again, I this whole five star like a praise for it is uh, is kind of baffling to me because I, I it's it's good. And I think everybody does want. A new crime saga where they can like you know laud over it you know they want like a I don't know like a, a good fellas or a heat or things like that and this is fine but and it is a very well made film but I thought it was just fine 
Yeah, look, don't get me wrong, like, it's very well made, there's some artistic choices in it, which I appreciate because I like that style of filmmaking. Like, mm-hmm. for example, there's a scene where Colin Farrell, who's a guy who's he's running for office, mm-hmm. has like a rally in this really shitty neighbourhood, which is the neighbourhood for which his office will be dealing with. Mm-hmm. Uh, he gets in his car and the camera's clearly sitting on the bonnet of the car, but it's angled so that you kind of see the car dra- starts to move so you can follow the neighbourhood, so you can see how shitty the neighbourhood is. Mm. And as it turns a corner, the camera mo- pans across. Uh, you see this kind of... Well, the son, Farrell's had a kind of borderline racist conversation with his aide. You see it's driver's black who's had to listen to this. Mm-hmm. But then it, it pans a wee bit more and you see that in the space of about a five probably even less, a three minute drive mm. from this shitty neighbourhood the house that he he has to own so he can run for office in this neighbourhood mm. is in a really nice part of the neighbourhood right. and, and it's that juxtaposition from these are, it's it's that kind of here's your poor people and here's the white rich people who want to run them type mm, yeah. thing it's got, there's, quite, there's quite a few um, kind of modern uh, modern what I'm saying there's quite a few kind of sp- bits of social commentary to yeah. what's happening within American culture at the moment especially when even Colin Farrell talking to um, Tommy help me, out, help me out his dad oh Robert Duvall yeah Robert Duvall who plays his dad is this is the epitome of what you would say is the white patriarchy uh, where you get even Colin Farrell's trying to break away from that to a certain degree yeah uh, and it's it's not heavy handed which yeah. I think was really good about this which film the, I mean that's quite surprising considering the, the conceit of the film is that like it's a group of just entirely women doing this heist mm-hmm. that, yeah which is funny because it's 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 not just about that it, in yeah, many that's... ways I mean you think that that was the crux of the story it's not really it's it's a it's, it's a it's an at, it's an attribute to the yeah. overall entity. I mean, I'm yeah. not going to lie. Like watching the trailer, I did just start thinking about Ocean's Eight because, like, it seems like a really similar setup. Mm. But it just looked like this was a, a serious version. It's kind of goofy, a caper style thing. Well, it's not. That's the thing. It's not. Yeah, I mean, whereas Ocean's Eight was kind of a goofy caper. This one, again, with the the women and with all the the lead characters involved, like the widows in question that are going to do this heist. In the space of time that they've got, they're basically given a month, right? Yeah. In the space of time of that, I mean, they're not professional um, burglars or they're or you know professional criminals, but but they 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 certainly get fucking their shit done. Yeah, they get they get they get good quick. Yeah, <laughs> and there's Elizabeth Depecky's character is a is really strange because she goes from this kind of kind of dumb, snivelling, kind of crying person to almost fucking, I don't want to say Rambo, but almost like, you know, Brad Pitt from Ocean's Eleven yeah. <laughs> in no time at all. I mean, there's a lot of that where time-wise you're like, I, I don't really buy how professional and how well and how everything is happening in a particular way. Although I did like Viola Davis at one point, she assigns like Michelle Rodriguez, Elizabeth Becky, 
jobs, like, right, you do this and you do that. And at one point she says to Elizabeth Becky, right, we need four Glocks. And she's like, where am I going to get them? And she went, it's America. <laughs> and, and she does, she goes and gets them no bother. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's fine. It's fine. How's Michelle Rodriguez in this? Is she just she, Michelle Rodriguez? No, she's good. She, she's decent. She's decent enough. Um, she is still just Michelle Rodriguez, mm. but the character herself, itself has enough depth to it. Yeah, a bit more substance. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's. I don't really have much else to say about it. It's fine. Yeah, I, I, I think I think it would have worked better as maybe a three-part series. Mm-hmm. Purely because there's so much going on in terms of the A plot and the B plot. Mm-hmm. And then there's a lot of... The whole thing is, like, because you, uh, they're all widows, you get a lot of Viola Davis is lying about her house going, Oh, I'm in so much grief. Oh, mm-hmm. I miss my man. That mm-hmm. um, it's not the... It's as if they're trying to say... It's as if it's almost like First Man, where they're trying to have both th- this heist thriller, uh, this political thriller, but then have this First Man esque kind of uh, treatise on uh, what it is to to be in grief, but have mm. to kind of soldier on with life, yeah. Yeah. and it's it's that kind of stuff which makes it feel a wee bit bloated because mm. it's really underexplored. Yeah. Whereas Davis, I think, yeah, Fellow dog plays a big part of it. Dogs in every scene, and and, and in in some ways helps the plot along. Yeah, that, that that dog's in every scene purely just for that moment. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I kind of don't want to know, but you're making no, me I'm, think I'm, that I'm not, 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 not going to spoil. I'm not going to say what it is because it's a very big plot point. Mm-hmm. See, just when you're mentioning first mannequin there, who was the actress that played Neil Armstrong's Claire wife? Foy. She was fucking excellent in that movie. She's she is, be, yeah, and I yeah. dislike Claire Foy. Yeah, so she's going to be Elizabeth Slander in the new Dragon Tattoo movie. Right, right. Like, yeah, I yeah. thought she was brilliant. Like, she was one she of the best parts really, of that yeah. film. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, sorry. So, uh, that's, that's what was the thing you said you watched? Like, in, was it a season of Batman Animated uh, Series or something? No, it was uh, Netflix's big horror uh, series of <coughs> called The Haunting of Hill House. Um, I'm not. I don't really have a lot to say about it. Uh, it's been really heavily hyped. Uh, a lot of the early hype coming out was, "Oh, it's the scariest thing on television." Oh, people are turning it off because they can't watch it because it's dead scary. It's totally not. It's it's a solid family drama with some supernatural elements. It never goes far enough of the supernatural elements, and then when you get to the point near the when you get to near the end, and it has to kind of draw it all together, it doesn't. It totally doesn't go far enough right. with the horror. It's does it work? Is it like a concise story though? Does it come? Yeah, together? no, it, it comes together as a concise story, but I, I just felt it didn't. It didn't go far enough with the horror horror element. It's. It's fine. Like, I I enjoyed what I watched. I would just felt a little unsatisfied by the end of it. Hey, I mean, I saw like a, a Facebook post from our friend Jason who was on the Halloween episode from Mogul Mania Film Odyssey, 
Uh, he seemed to be like really digging it, though he wasn't. Yeah, he wasn't, Jason like, Six and Annihilation is the best film of the year. So Annihilation was really good. Like Annihilation was really good. I enjoyed that a I, lot. Like especially that ending, man. Like that stuck I, with me more than I thought it would. I turned it off after twenty minutes because it was tedious. Really? Yeah. See, man, like I've got the reputation here for being the person who like can't really stand slow paced stuff, but like. When I think back on Annihilation, I think back on it quite fondly for the pace as well. It's got like a really melancholy, melancholy tone to it that, that I totally did. I thought you would have been into that as well, being that like everybody in it is like suicidal. I just, I just, <laughs> like, I just found it dull, to be yeah. honest. All yeah. the shit with the, I don't know. The, the, see when you when they start to piece together like what's going on inside the the shimmer, I I really liked that. I liked that explanation. It was a good, it was a good idea for like a sci-fi show. Like it was displayed in a, a really kind of endearing way. I thought like that that ending as well was like just different enough to to make an impact. It had a good ending. Everything else in between, it felt as if we need to work towards this ending, and it's not particularly well done. Like the whole, the actual happening, the actual thing that's going on, in let's what was it 2018, 2017... The way it's handled, you're like, bullshit, I don't buy that for a second. You, you really did get so hung up. We've, we spoke about Annihilation yeah. before, though. You got so hung up on like, the logistics of the fact that like well, yeah. the, the army managed to keep it under wraps. But like, I really... That's... Yeah, in 2018, impossible. Not only that, the way the actual army are handling the situation is like, we're going to send five or six folk in there. It's like, no, we're, we're, why not send a tank in there? We don't know what the fuck's <laughs> in there. Oh, yeah, and when we're in there, because we all know weird shit's going on, we're all going to go camping and sleep all at the one time and not think shit's going to happen. I was like, fuck off. You mean to tell me... Like, no, they, set a, they absolutely set a lookout. They, there's a whole scene dedicated. That's when the bear first shows up. I, I, I didn't put it this way. As I Tommy said, didn't watch this film, apparently. I watched this film thinking, thinking of, yes, of the logistics, but I'm like, if you're going to work towards that ending, and the ending is very good, it just felt like we've got a really good idea and a great ending. Let's work towards that. So if you're going to do that, I, I, well, do you want, I've just remembered more of it. Let's let's see. The last act is good. The actual end shot is unnecessary. Oh yeah, yeah. That about. there was no that that diminished it a bit for me. What were you going to say, Neil? I was about to say that at least that's kind of maybe something moving forward. That at least Alex Garland has maybe actually been able to write an ending for a change. Yeah, yeah. X Mac had a good ending. That was just a better film in general. Uh, again, I also, as I said at the start of the show, like I watched uh, four seasons of the nineties animated Spider-Man cartoon. Like, been we've kind of brought it up a, a few times in the past couple of shows, mm. I think. And uh, I think it still holds up. Like, it is kind of shittily written in a way that is unpo- unapologetic. It's like it doesn't. It doesn't try to be serious. It just like it's a nineties TV yeah, cartoon. Yeah. Every episode, like it introduces like a new character or two, and then without any kind of reason to do it, you just get like a one of the one of the characters just randomly tells you what the backstory is of the the person who's in the episode, and it's like three or four lines of dialogue, and then they just move on. It's like you've been introduced, and now let's just get shit done because we've only got twenty minutes to. To tell a story, you find that like the Batman animated series has that as well. It um, fucking moves I, I, at a pace, I, man. I disagree with the kind of flippancy though that the Batman animated series is. A Batman animated series is a fantastic piece of television. No, I agree. I, I think it's so um, well written. 
No, I agree. I think Batman, I mean, I haven't seen a lot of the Spider-Man TV series. I've watched a couple of episodes with Paco, and although it is fine, I mean, like you said, it's the, the Marvel, the 90s Marvel, hour, uh, the 90s Marvel action hour, where I imagine X-Men, Hulk was a lot like that as well, because um, I, I watched a bit of Hulk. Batman is better, but there are a lot of times where you're introduced to a character, and it's like, here's a small sentence of backstory of what they are, and that's it. But that doesn't mean to say... I mean, one of my favourite eps of, I think it's universally kind of lauded am amongst the uh, Batman animated series episodes, is the one where every villain is talking about how they nearly got Batman over a card game. Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, kind of, that's, that, a, that's, a, that's a great episode. Yeah. That, like, uh, this Spider-Man, though, like, this, the, the thing I really appreciate it the most, though, is, like, it doesn't just kind of have a villain at a time come at Spider-Man. It's, like, so, so much of it is just, like, they're trying to do something like people all have like a goal to achieve and everybody just gets in everybody's fucking way and it always becomes like at least a three-way fight like almost every episode but like there's some of them where there's like five or six different agencies that go at the one time it's like everything's just kicking off it just goes man it's like a really good action thing it's it's well done i can see why teenage me fucking loved the shit out of it man is that YouTube? Seen? You've been watching that one. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I forget the name of the YouTube channel, but like he's got all sixty-five episodes on there. So, yeah, cool, cool. Uh, I just a quick piece of uh, just so none of the the nerds has the Marvel action hour. Tommy was half hour of Iron Man and a half hour of Fantastic Four. Well, it was X Men not included in that, no. No, no. They had their own show. X Men, Spider Man, and Hulk all had their own show. Hmm. Okay. Fantastic Four, I didn't even like in the cartoon format. I just, I, I don't know what it is about that I, setup. I just disagree with it. I really like the Fantastic Four. Is that the comics specifically, or is it because of the cartoon or what? No, it's comics. It's and it's specifically because of uh, Jonathan Hickman's run on it that got me into it. Jonathan Hickman's run of the Fantastic Four, and its sister comic FF. Is probably my favourite run of all comics of all time. Fair enough. It get it by the end of it, it just kicks you right in the feels. Hey, have we got anything else to talk about, or are we going to um, Overlord? No, that's us. Uh, Overlord, the one film that all three of us have, all three of us have seen. I mean, I would arguably say that it probably is the biggest film out just now as well, though, right? No. Nah, Widows is bigger than it. Widows is better. Halloween and Venom are still bigger than it. Oh, yeah. here actually, did you have you guys seen the uh, the poster kicking about for the Chinese version of Venom? Mm -hmm. I haven't seen the poster. No. Like, look it up. It looks really good. Uh, they put like a lot of effort into it, man. Like, even in as as far as like they do like a lot of play with words with it because like a lot of the the kanji is that what you call mm -hmm. it? Is Chinese? Yeah. So is that just a Japanese word for it? I, I, th I think sure. it's the same because it's all derived from Chinese, is it not? Yeah, kanji just sounds like such a Japanese yeah. word, though, doesn't it? Uh, but yeah, like whatever the the name of the writing is, which is just such a disrespectful statement to make. But like, uh, they they play with the words in it quite a lot. Like, uh, which is is pretty cool. Like, there's a, a Reddit uh, post about it. If you kind of if you're more interested in it, mm. I would imagine you could find it quite easily just by typing in Reddit Venom China poster. Mm. Out of Google. But yeah, um, Overlord, uh, produced by J.J. Abrams and his Bad Robot uh, pr production company. Um, I can't really recall any stars 
I mean, there's a couple of folk where in the, I'm like, oh, you've kind of seen them kicking about, uh, but that's it. But it's um, a kind of B movie monster slash action slash horror film where it's basically set in uh, World War Two, and it's just the start where you've got these uh, group of soldiers who have dropped or dropped in France and have to take out a a tower, a communications tower that the Nazis have in this wee village. And but, it's the, the day before D-Day. Yeah, and uh, but what's been going on is folk can get routed up in the village and taken to this church where the tower is, or castle, sorry, and um, they're either never seen again or they're returned and they're severely mutilated or ill, and that's kind of the mystery surrounding that. And that yeah. is the film. Like it, it, it plays into like a lot of... A, Kind of Nazi tropes, like to do with the Nazi experiments and stuff like that, and like yeah, just kind of. Yeah. So the start of there, it's the start of like the start of Hellboy. That whole idea of like you know that they were into all kinds of weird yeah. occult shit or like they experimenting were looking for, and stuff and things looking like that. for absolutely any way they could get like an advantage in the war. Yeah, uh, but like I think we should maybe start by saying that like me and Tommy both enjoyed this a lot. Hmm. Neil, I think you didn't. Um, give us your takes first, and then. I will have my yeah. rebuttal. Uh, my mate from work, Andy, who listens to the show. Andy Connor, how's it going? Uh, sure, again. Like uh, he also didn't like it, which I was surprised that. Like uh, I thought, I thought it was like generally pretty good. But uh, I thought that like I really like the. We're going to try and be as spoiler free as possible here. By the way, I would I should say uh, at the end that we feel like there's a need for spoilers. Uh, like maybe we'll put it right I, at the end of the thing. Okay, I'm going to say this. I don't think there's a need for spoilers. Because everything you need to know about this film is in the trailer. Yeah, yeah, but like, there's one or two criticisms. My main criticisms of it are all to do with the third act. Um, right. Okay. So it's kind of hard to point out what they are without kind of ruining right, the film. Okay. Uh, I'll try my best to definitely. Um, but yeah, like the the setup of this, like the the kind of setup of the movie itself, where it really is a straightforward. Uh, Platoon of soldiers have, oh, sorry, a squad of soldiers have a set task that they need to do. Like the stakes are well defined and clear, and it plays out like an actual normal uh, World War Two movie, like a pretty well produced one at that. Like it looked really good. Yeah. Um, it, that, that's it, just like your opinion, man. <laughs> uh, it felt to me really early on like uh, it was given off like pr- the original Predator vibes. Like, it felt like a Predator movie. And, like, when I said it to you, Tommy, I think you agreed as well, man. Like, mm. that just that whole thing where, like, they are chucked into this, like, overwhelming situation and they're picking their way through the, the, the woods and stuff in, like, a hostile environment. Like, all that stuff I thought was really well handled. Like, uh, the production values I thought were, like, generally quite good the, yeah. the sound effects were all really good like the acting was all good like the fact that there was clear motivation for the characters at every single point of the the story yeah like i didn't even think that people acted in ways that didn't make any sense yeah. i thought it was like just overall like the first two acts are like a really really well put together world war Two story it's like i mean don't get me wrong this is i mean you even the title overlord and when you watch the trailer this is like a b-movie and you can, do, do you know why it's called Overlord, Tommy? Why is that, Neil? Because D-Day was called Operation Overlord. There we go. We right. bit of war facts there. Um, so, 
I quite like the idea, like, I mean, even, like, you look at the poster and the trailer and everything about it, it very much is a B-movie with a, a nice bit of money behind it. I mean, it comes up from producer J.J. Abrams under his bad robot thing. Um, what, what Pac was saying, I agree with. Uh, initially, the first act, I really thought it was quite exciting in the way they're dropped into the mission. And then just everything that these kind of... Every character kind of has their own identity. And the way it kind of moves along, it didn't seem too... It didn't seem silly or anything like that because it is the middle of war and folk are going to get shot or folk are going to be, you know, put in a situation where they're going to get caught or whatever. And I don't know, I just... I, I thought it moved quite well. And yeah, there's all, there, there's a lot of cliches in there. But it didn't bother me because I thought up until a certain point, it was quite a well made coherent story yeah and i was getting pretty much what i expected from the trailer because i don't think you were too hot in the trailer were you paco i, I enjoyed this more than i was expecting to from yeah. the trailer up until the last act which the in the last act it becomes exactly what i thought it was going to be yeah uh, um, but like bef- before everything kind of gets ramped up to ridiculous degrees yeah like a lot of the the kind of the body horror stuff of it like the imagery mm-hmm. of like things that happen in that church yeah. Like I thought it was really well handled. Yeah. Uh, like yeah. the stuff with the, the head that's screaming out for help and stuff like that. Ah. Like and again, then, yeah, they handle a lot of like like what like the characters doing what they gotta do and teasing the bigger picture quite well. Yeah. The thing is though, and I agree with you in this one, I think we both kind of came to this conclusion, is come the third act, there is that what there is a point where it becomes just a kind of schlocky almost monster movie out of nowhere really unnecessary it it's could like, have been handled a the, lot better the, the monster movie part of it was always going to happen right like we were all no, ready for that no it was coming like, but up they, to that point it had been handled play, very well yeah they play it so I serious thought. like none of it is kind of done in like a kind of like campy way like a schlocky like no one looks to the camera way like it's all done like a total straight laced war movie yeah a decent production and then excuse me and a budget when it comes to the end like there's a definitive point where like something happens and then everything that happens after that it's like it feels like tonally such a different film it just takes a total nosedive like yeah i thought like even it's an 18 as well so a lot of like the the action scenes in terms like folk getting shot to shit and Things like that it was quite cool. It was nice to see again. Uh, something like again, I I think so. That's a bit missing. Um, it's kind of like um, it's kind of like we we're talking about when it comes when Neil was asking about um, the night uh, the night comes for us is like how is it edited? Is it, are you shown certain things or is it does it pan away because it has to because our rating things like that with this because it's kind of got an eighteen rating thing. It's kind of got carte blanche to show you what it needs to show you or show you what it wants to show you um yeah but i'm the same i i still enjoyed it but the third act did let it down for me yeah, because i the, thought it could have been handled a lot better yeah they, they mean like if they just stuck to it being like a serious horror like it would have been great if you know if it's like even keeping those same kind of like superhuman monster things that they've got in it like they could still have done that and it, it kind of felt but yeah, you know what they what they good. do with the yeah what they decide to do with the main antagonist. He just becomes a comic book villain and like or a video game. Yeah, villain. it's just it's so out of place and then so entirely out of place. What necessarily ha- what what then again if you have played a you know video game or seen those kind of films, what they then do with certain characters or even you might argue the main protagonist, 
you're just kind of like, well, yep, they're going to do that, and it's just going to do this, and that's the way this is yeah. going because that, in a way, this is kind of what the trailer did promise us. Because like as, as much as like there was quite a lot of it that was predictable as well, yeah. I do like that there was a, a lot of subverting expectations in there, and like in like a, a satisfying way as well, where like it you know it doesn't follow the the same kind of horror cliche timeline of everybody in the group getting picked off one by one and only one person surviving kind of thing mm. which you would see in like a lot of horror films I was expecting that mm -hmm. so the fact that well I mean I guess I'm now ruining that for other people like a lot more people survive in this than you would maybe initially expect yeah um, and look they, they do like a lot of stuff where they focus on things early on like character traits of certain people or like items like uh, items that have got like kind of nostalgic sentimental value to people and stuff that just they focus on at the beginning but then don't actually follow up on in a way that I actually appreciated because like they, they do like the stuff where as if it was a setup for something that was going to be you know happening in the third act and yeah. just didn't actually didn't use it yeah up till the third act I didn't for me it didn't feel like the plot was moving for the sake of convenience it felt, it felt like everything that was kind of getting set up was like this has to be discovered at this point in the story and this person needs to see it because of that effort. I was like, right, no, this is this is fine. This is moving at a, a pace and a, a coherent way where I'm not wondering why that's going on or that's purely there because they have to until the third act where yeah. it reaches that crescendo where everything we've been kind of teased on is all there and running amok yeah. and whatever, you know. It's so totally, it's it felt like a Wolfenstein movie. Well, that's what Neil said. He says it's just Wolfenstein 2, is it? No, I didn't say that at all, Tommy. You've just made that up. I'm sure so, you said to me. No, I just... didn't. I did not say it feels like Wolfenstein 2. I said it feels like a really bad PS2 Medal of Honor game. You sure? I thought you said Wolfenstein. No, I didn't so, say Wolfenstein 2. So why, why did you hate it, Neil? Right, because it was horrifically generic. Uh, all the characters were horrendous stereotypes of right see when you watch see when you watch cheap war movies there's always here's a here's a kind of the tough guy from the bronx he's got his italian american guy here's always the kind of the, the kind of weedy jewish guy here's the here's the black guy who, who doesn't go on with anybody else here's the gruff captain who always just just wants to be left alone and doesn't doesn't mingle with anybody. The characters were generic. The script was rubbish. It looked gash. I don't know where you're getting this production value stuff. It looked I, like I it thought was, it looked really. It looked it looked like it was fine. made for the. It looked like it was made by the Sci-Fi Channel. Oh, I disagree I'd with that. Completely, one hundred percent disagree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's how I thought it looked. It looked like it was made for the Sci-Fi Channel. Uh, it was boring. Well, all the war stuff just plodded along uh, as, as if by numbers um, then you get to the point where they get to town, you come across the Nazis and they're all just stereotypes uh, the the French girl, the help is, a, is just a kind of is a stereotype of war films of all oh, our towns are bad, but she's a tough guy, she's the, the tough one that's kind of getting on with things then it become then when it becomes a horror film, it's like, uh, it feel no, but it felt like it felt like one of the tra fake trailers in the middle of a grindhouse. Yeah, I can see that. 
It was just, yeah. it was just, it was dull. It did absolutely zero for me. It looked rubbish. The acting was terrible. I disagree with that as well. I thought yeah. it was well acted. Disagree. I also didn't have a problem with the script. Like I didn't think the writing was bad. At the point yeah. I never. It was, it was, it was just dull. It was I, so gen, yeah, it was so generic. I, that. I think calling it generic is a fair assessment because, like, that's what it, I expected. Yeah, it didn't do anything new, but like, yeah. it was all done well. I thought, like, it all it was all handled pretty I well. I, I, I definitely thought the pacing was fine. I completely disagree with you. I was bored. Fair enough. Uh, I will say you have me think of like an hour criticism we got with we're like, I'm increasingly getting like less accepting of just using rape as a shortcut to show that someone's evil in yeah. a movie and this does it in two separate occasions I it just mm-hmm. yeah like uh, originally with like the main Nazi guy in the house yeah. and then later on with like she's causing a diversion like oh, uh, the, yeah, the guy yeah. who chases her down yeah. straddles her as if he's about to rape her yeah. before things go yeah. off yeah. and like that's like it's horrific like don't like don't get me wrong man like rape is a fucking horrific thing but like it's such a fucking lazy way of showing that someone's evil in a movie these days do you mean it's like just to yeah. to make out that everybody's a rapist is just yeah but I mean again yeah, I mean, again that was that was a, a problem which I have with this film just in general there was zero <laughs> nuance to it like what you talked about um, like how they introduced characters as having these wee traits I felt where you've kind of went they've not really followed up on that I I feel that they've introduced these characters they've introduced these traits of like oh here's your camera guy oh here's the writer guy and all of those are all characters that you've seen a million times before in these films this film did zero absolutely zero things new and it didn't even do them well um, I, as I mentioned I, I, I thought it was it was a B movie with a lot of cliches and because there was a lot, because I expected all those cliches, I wasn't expecting anything overwhelmingly original or it or or you know it, it'd be a cut above the rest. It was just it was generic, but it was a generic enjoyment in my yeah. opinion. I, I left it feeling entertained, like it kind of endeared itself to me quite early on. I think, and that went a long way. Like the, the yeah. third act was like definitely I was being a lot more critical of it. Like it, it was doing a lot more I disliked in that kind of end sequence oh like the third the third act's awful the third act mm. sinks it completely see i wouldn't even say it was awful though like it definitely is worse than the rest of the movie but like it was still it was watchable the third act was just fine but like i enjoyed the first two acts that i would say overall that this movie is a good movie i i don't mm. i make a point of not walking out of stuff i was close to walking out well I can see how, like, if it's not gelling with you, I can totally see why you would go down that route of just not finding anything redeeming about it. Because, like, you know, the, I could imagine people having the same complaints about The Conjuring. Like, The Conjuring does nothing new at all. Mm-hmm. But, like, I think it does everything well. Yeah. So, like, it ends up yeah. being, like, a, a good staple of that type of movie. Yeah. And, like, I think that's what this was up until the end. I. Uh, which yeah, like I think actually I don't really need to say more about that. Like uh, we could probably get away with keeping it as spoiler free as we have done so far. Yeah. Yeah. Um it is just like I, I don't understand why they decided to shift the tone from like a serious movie to this like 
knowing looks at I... the camera over the top acting that they did in the third act. See, that's the thing, though, man. I mean, you say serious film. Yeah, I don't. I don't I... think it was particularly that serious. It was like I know it was. So like it, it wasn't like there's a bit at the end that's essentially like you now that bit in the Matrix Three where a uh, Hugo Weaving like uh, absorbs the Oracle and then like starts maniacally laughing, like looking directly at the camera. There's a bit in this movie that is exactly that scene, and it's like, how can you make this film and have that in there when like the well, rest of the movie is not that tone? This film is trying to eat. This film is trying to harken back to like your kind of horror films which were made in the seventies, your independent horrors in the seventies, where where it, they do take that turn, where it's like it it tries to be this serious kind of thing, and then the horror happens and that's when things go kind of crazy. Yeah. It's going for that kind of grindhouse aesthetic. I just don't think it... Whereas, like, Planet Terror gets what it's trying to do, this is death-proof. Oh, oh, I disagree with that. Uh, yeah, I disagree with that as well. I don't think this is trying to be self-aware. I really don't. Mm, I disagree. And I... Reginald... Yeah, is well, that us? That is, that is us. That's us for this week. I don't know what's out next week. It's uh, uh, Grindelwald. Oh yeah, um, Fantastic Beasts. Fantastic Beasts. Yeah, which has been getting bad reviews. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Not a lot of people like that film. No. Um, I believe that... Paco will probably be the only one out of the few of us that go to it. Yeah. No, I I want to see the first one, um, and I will watch the second one just for context, because um, I don't really I don't know enough about Harry Potter. Um, I mean, like, Harry Potter doesn't really... I, I guess Dumbledore is, like, a character for this one, but, like, Harry Potter doesn't really come into it. I've heard that Grindelwald, apparently, plays something... Is, is something to do with Dumbledore as well that is mentioned in the Harry Potter films right, right. of some kind. Right. Um, I don't... Again, I don't know, but I, it's being a prequel, and it is J.K. Rowling and that, I wouldn't be surprised if it's laced with that. If it's, if it's nothing to do with the... If the first and second film stand alone... And it's like, no, this is just this, but we've got these little bits that you might recognise if you're a Harry Potter fan, then fair enough. But, yeah, I'll watch that. Um, I'm trying to think, I probably have seen The Grinch at some point. Um, I'll, I'll watch The Grinch. But I, I don't really... It's just that, right? Because Creed's next week. Creed's the 29th. Not next week, the week after. Yeah. Oh, wait, the week after? No, it's the 29th, I'm sure. Right, okay. Three week, it three feels weeks. like it's, that film has been on the verge of coming out for so long. Yeah. Yeah, um, but yeah, no doubt we'll have seen that and other things. Um, you can get Paco on Twitter at Paco R UK. You can get me at Vast Destruction. You can get Neil at Scorch AOA, and you can get us at Raptors Podcast. Uh, you can get us on Facebook. You can get us on SoundCloud, iTunes. Like, share, subscribe. Tell your friends. Uh, I don't really know what the group is like just now in terms of how we're doing overseas. I don't know who's uh. Who's the, the, oh, the main, we, the main we had, audience? We uh, had a few weird ones actually. This week, like, oh, did we? Yeah, I'll put up. Like, I'd, every now and again, something happens on this where, like, we just get stuff that I can't explain. Like, I right. don't know if I mentioned it on the show, but like a couple of weeks back, fifty different Christian rock radio stations listened to the podcast. Apparently, <laughs> uh, which is like the opposite demographic from what I would have expected. Like, just, it's just odd. It's just so weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, like last week, uh, Hong yeah, Kong, kind of what you'd expect. Like Russia, United Kingdom, United States, and one person in Russia decided to listen to us. Sweet. Uh, so shame our Canadian friends are 
Amsterdam friends have left us. So that's the last week. Hold on. Like it's been a good couple of weeks since we had it. All right. Tur- yeah, eight people in Turkey just Sweet. randomly decided the raptors in the kitchen was what they wanted to listen to. Yeah. I don't. I don't understand how that works. They might. That, have- sound, that sounds like some VPN bullshit. See, the thing is, though, how many folk do you reckon see see uh, the, the title Raptors in the Kitchen and maybe think we're a dinosaur podcast, like we talk about the history of dinosaurs and fossils and such? Are people in Turkey particularly fond of dinosaurs in such a way? Or? I don't know. Like, not only that, not just Turkey, just all over the shop. They might be thinking, oh, this is a really informative podcast about dinosaurs and fossils and, you know... Discussing the different eras, and then they listen. Actually, Bozo was talking about films. Yeah, like how many people click on as having seen the picture, read the blurb, going three three guys talk about movies, mm. and then turn it on and having to listen to us three roasters. Yeah, it's like when they going to talk about the dinosaurs. Yeah, so here here's the one that was like specifically weird this week though, or like well, I guess it was like it was Tuesday the twenty third mm-hmm. of a October was the month before this one, right? Sure was. Yeah. Like for some reason. Every year. 50 people just decided to listen to the Equalizer 2 episode. Cool. 50 people just decided to listen to that one episode? What? Okay. I don't... I don't, under, I don't understand. I don't understand why. Folk like what they like, man. It just seems odd. It just seems odd to me. Like, something's up. Like, we're part of some kind of weird robotic algorithm that none of us are privy to the motivations of, but, like, I'm sure it's contributing to the downfall of mankind. Are we I'm just... Right ro- with. Are we just Russian bots? It would seem so, Neil. It would seem so. Uh, so join us again next week when we further the algorithm to and, bring on and, the and, mayb- and maybe do a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> right. Catch you guys later. See ya. See ya.